Hello, my name is Valerie and welcome to the Good Soil Podcast. Today's topic is spiritual minimalism. Um, now that's not an actual thing, but I I watched a video about it, you know, early on in the year and the whole idea was, uh, the artist was talking about, you know, what it looks like to have uh, a relationship with God that is not burdened by, you know, too many things. Um, and so I'd been thinking about that over the past couple of months, like what does that mean? And in what ways have I made my relationship with God burdensome? And, um, is it, you know, uh, is it my perceptions on who God is? Is it expectations people have on me? Um, is it, you know, my struggles in reading scripture and, you know, how, and seeing God in it, I guess, just different things, my theology and just trying to figure out, well, man, I, what are the essential things for my own faith and what do I need to, to make it to the end, so to speak. Um, and so today I have a guest on the show and we're going to talk about, you know, what it means to be a spiritual minimalist. And I, I want us to kind of anchor the episode on this, uh, scripture, first Corinthians nine verse 23, it reads, and do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so the questions we'll be answering in today's episode really are centered around, you know, what it looks like to to run a race to win and how can I sort through my life and only take uh, what's essential for my journey and not carry cumbersome loads in my relationship with God. And I, I often think about people who have chosen different paths um, as a result of their relationship with God being burdensome. And I've thought about what are the things that I'm, I'm, I'm carrying into my relationship with God that are not allowing me to move forward in faith. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, hopefully it's very helpful for you. And um, yeah, let's get to it. I'm excited to talk about your faith journey. We met, um, I mean, I've known of you for a long time. And I've heard a lot of people say things about you. But I must admit, I don't know what it is, but I think I was always intimidated Uh to approach you. I don't know where (laughs) that came from. But I'm glad that like, you know, you initiated because then it was like, oh, great. I can actually get to know Rachel. (laughs) Have you heard that before? Yes, I have. Oh, why have people (laughs) said that? I have no idea. Okay. Because the response is usually, oh, wow, she's actually quite approachable. Yeah. Most approaching me. (laughs) Maybe it's the look on my face. I have like a, yeah, that thing. Well, because when we spent time, I was like, oh, this is the complete opposite of what I had in my mind. So it's my face. It's probably really your face. Well, I get that a lot, so I get that. Um, but it's, gr- it's great to have you on here. And like I said in the beginning, I really want to just talk about what it means to run a race in order to win. And obviously, we're right. talking about our spiritual journey. And so just to kick us off as well, you know, how did you come to faith? You did mention that you are a Christian. So how did you come to faith, you know, and enter this race, so to speak? And what did that look like for you? Okay, so um, God is all I've actually ever known. Um, I was raised in a God-fearing home. Um, went to church, sang in a church choir, um, went to camp, um, you know. So it's not like I've, I've 
ever been exposed to any other religion or had been exposed to any other religion going up. Mm. So um, why God? Because he's all I've ever known. Sure. Um, and then in university, my first year of university, um, that's when I, you know, I guess that's when I learned what the Bible says about what it means to be a Christian. Um, I got baptized um, and I haven't looked back since. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think I can relate to that in a lot of ways because mm. I grew up in a Christian home. Mm. So I never had a hard time believing that God was real or, mm. you know, his existence. That was never really a thing for me. I think as my faith journey has gone on, I've come to realize, you know, there's other things that I have doubted about God. Mm. Um, and so as it goes in your walk as a Christian, there's obviously some hardships as well. Um, mm. And you're confronted with a bunch of stuff. It's not a straight line. Um, and I think that that's something that happens several times. So mm. you get to this wall and you almost have to overcome it, um, or maybe change your perspective on who God is every time you hit those walls. And so for you, what have been some of the hardest parts of your walk with God? Um, so, so the one is when you have friends who walk away from God, I think that's, been a hard thing for me to deal with mm. um, I must say though that the hardest things have also been the most rewarding things okay. because in in each of those instances um, it draws you closer to God yeah. you know um, uh, so when friends walk away because um, I mean you know you're in um, it gets you know I'm 35 but yeah. it gets harder <laughs> To make friends the older you get sure. and when you're in university and you're a teenager it's you know hey um if you're all together and you know you're all doing this together and there's sort of like a for lack of a better term like a herd mentality sort of approach and yay we all love jesus Woo! yeah and then you know as you get older like people start i guess finding their own ways and yeah. it forces you to um, so it's hard because you don't want friends to leave your community, so yeah. to speak. Um, but it's also rewarding because, you know, it forces you to go, or at least it would force me to go back and check, okay, so what do I believe in? Why am I here? Who is this God? Um, what's happening? Um, and through that engagement and discussion and uh i don't want to say soul searching but just mm -hmm. searching um i would just draw closer to god i'm like nope he's still he's still god mm -hmm. i still want to you know do this i still want to follow him um i still want to be close to him i still believe what i've what i've learned and continue learning um so that's hard that i mean together with like if, if you're hurt, I mean, it's it's a church made of people. Yeah. Um, the community is made of people, and so people will hurt you, and you will hurt people. Um, but going through that is always hard. Yeah. But again, the reward is it. At least for me, when that would happen, um, it would um, I guess you know pull me closer to God. Right. Um, someone you know say something or even preach or something that's a bit dodgy and you're like whoa wait a minute yes where do i stand on this and you know so 
that I think would be the one hard thing. Um, and the other hard thing is trusting God. <laughs> sure. Because um, I think, you know, um, for me at least, you know, um, I would ask, you know, hey God, do you really have my back? You know? Yeah. Or, um, or I would like, I'd know, oh yeah, I'd know that like, okay, I know hardships are going to come, mm-hmm. but it's like, when are they going to come? And, you know, like sort of, cause I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like going through hardships. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, um, so it's like, oh my goodness, I don't, you know, like when are hardships going to come and yeah. if they come, are you going to have my back? And, you know, why do I have to go this through this test? Um, am I going to make it to heaven? You know? Sure. Um, so I think my faith journey has been a journey of growing in trust in God. Mm. Um, and that's been hard, yeah. but at the same time, um, the reward has been that, I guess, realizing that, um, you know, and especially this year, I think this yes. year was a great trusting in God um, uh, exercise, I guess, or lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just realizing that, okay, God's ways are not my ways. Um, and God is good. Yeah. And... Just on those two things, I feel like my trust in God, you know, has grown um, as hard as it's been from a year perspective and and, and everything I've gone through and everyone else has gone through. um, The reward of sort of being surrendered um, and being able to trust God has really been, I guess, worth it, you know. Um, but that's been, I think, cause uh, the whole people leaving, cause it makes you realize you really are doing this on your own. Yeah. This is not yeah. a, as much as you are a group when you start out, so to speak, this really is a personal, um, race yeah. as you mentioned, um, in the Corinthian scripture. Um, and you've got to run it on your own mm-hmm. and then trusting God because ultimately, that's i guess what it's about you know um growing in a trust of god and who he is and who he says he is yeah um and sort of you know putting aside the doubt putting aside the questions of you know questions regarding his character um and trusting him to be who he actually says he is yeah yeah does that answer the question? That does answer the question. But you've given me like five other questions <laughs> to ask you <laughs> at the same time, which is great. Um, so I will dig into them one by one. But okay. So the first thing you mentioned was friends leaving. Yes. Now that's a bit of a, like a soft spot for me at the moment. Because I think mm. I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people wrestle through their faith and their relationship with God mm. and... Uh, whether he is who he says he is, right? Mm. And so when you've seen friends walk away, and obviously, you know, 
I just want to speak more about, you know, the way that they leave and the relationship thereafter. Because I've had friends walk away from God. Um, and what I've noticed a lot of is I'm not very good at that, you know. Because uh, like you said, we have this group and we've all come to... I came up in the camp campus ministry. Mm. So we all believe the same things. We, you know, we evangelize on campus together. We've seen each other go through the most. Mm. Um, or I've discipled some of these people, etc. And usually when people walk away, there is a lot of pain there. Mm. And so how how do you navigate the relationship at that point? I don't know if I'm making sense, but... They're deciding I'm stepping away, not just from God sometimes, mm. but the whole thing. Mm. And so how do you navigate how to have it? Because, I mean, especially if you have years on that relationship, mm -hmm. how do you, how have you navigated that? So I think that is um, something that I would like to say I've gotten better at. Yeah. Um, uh, it's hardest at first and not that it gets easier but i think you also just get maturer mm. um and i think that um at the end of the day um it boils down to what your um obviously you know relationships and friendships that are formed within the church the common denominator is your walk with God, yes. your, your relationship with God, your, you know, both your, your membership of this church. Mm -hmm. And when that falls away, then, you know, it's difficult to either find another common denominator mm -hmm. that on, on which you can continue being friends. Yeah. Um, I think that there are friendships where there were several denominators. Yeah. And so those were easier to continue with when the one sort of fell away mm -hmm. um but where that was the only thing that was sort of bringing us together those relationships you know i i i'm struggling to think of any that i've maintained apart mm -hmm. from a whatsapp on a birthday sure you know so so yeah i think you know at the end of the day um the older you get, the busier you get. Right. And so it's hard enough, and this might sound callous, but it really is hard enough trying to maintain the relationships with the people that are left behind, so mm -hmm. to speak, um, and the people that you are sort of investing time in. And this is like over and above, you know, because people have friendships and relationships with people who are at work, for example, mm -hmm. who don't go to church with them relationships and, and, and friendships with family, so to speak. Um, and so it, 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 just, it, it just makes it difficult when you have time constraints also mm -hmm. to, to maintain relationships with people that you don't really have anything in common sure. with. But as I said, those relationships and those friendships um, where it wasn't just we go to the same church, Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, um, we both love God and, and, and want to follow God, um, you know, maybe also party together. Sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, hey, well, I'll see you at the party yes. or whatever. But, um, 
but yeah, I think that it, it's it's just if you have more bases or more denominators that are pulling you together, mm. those friendships are are easier to um, maintain. I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a question mark as to whether they are friendships, but that's topic for another discussion. Topic I guess for another day. <laughs> well, I do find it. Um, I'm trying to understand it because it's very difficult because it seems like when people do leave, it just seems ugly at times. Like, and ugly in the sense that, like, why have we lost the relationship? And so you've given me perspective in that, man, if the relationship primarily was based on men, we have God in common, then it is possible to lose the entire thing altogether. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I've just been wrestling through, okay, you know, how do I stay in their life? And very often what happens as well is they cut people and they pull away. And so it, I guess friendships are two-sided. Um, yes. It's not really the job of um, the people who remain to keep the friendship up. And I think sometimes I can feel that way, but also the person who's walked away, you know, can sound like, oh, people didn't do enough to keep me in the loop. Yes. Um, and so I just, yeah, I, I appreciate you even just saying that because I've struggled through that. Like, yes. oh, I need to do a better job and I feel like it's up to me, but... It really is. Um, well, up to you to do what? Because if it's up to you to bring them back to church in inverted commas, sure. no, that's not up to right, you. Right. It wasn't you who brought them to God in sure. the first place. It was him sure. and his spirit. And if that's the that's their decision, then that's their decision. Right. But um, if it's up to you to, to maintain a friendship because, man, you really care about this person, they really are a friend, mm -hmm. you know, then those friendships don't die, you know. Sure. Um, it might be a bit uncomfortable for a month or a few months. Yes. Um, I mean, I've had friendships even in the church where, you know, I have a, a, a heated argument with a sister. And we were, you know, it was not great mm -hmm. for, I would say, maybe a year. But... Then, you know, you work through it and right. you come back together again. Yeah. So similarly, when someone leaves, you know, it'll be rocky. But if, if there's something more, that's why I say, if, if, if the denominator is more than we go to the same church. Right. Um, and if that relationship, it really is, you know, it does mean something to you and to them. Mm. You guys will find your way. Sure. Um, and maybe that obviously the discussions won't necessarily be you know hey how was the sermon or right. you know hey what are you having in your quiet doing in your quiet time but you know that's not all you used to talk about and so sure. you'll still talk about the yes. other stuff um, and you may still share about your quiet time and the sermon etc but I think um, that's why I say I feel like it's also probably a maturity thing at least mm. it was for me because. You just grow older and you realize, you know what, A, I am not people's savior yes. um, and ultimately they make their decisions, but man, I really like this person right. and I really want them in my life yes. um, and they, there's so much more that they can still contribute even if they don't come to my church.
back to God as opposed mm. to coming to my church. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, just to kind of um, continue on the theme of spiritual minimalism, sometimes I think people, or for myself, let me speak about myself, is my Christian walk can feel very heavy at times, right? Mm. And burdensome. And, um, and I don't know that that is, you know, God, sometimes it's my view of God that needs to be shifted, you know? And so even in speaking about people who have walked away from God for whatever mm. reason, um, maybe it's been their perceptions of who God should have been. Uh, maybe it's people. Mm. It could be a variation of things, right? And so you were just talking about how for you, trusting God has become, the goodness of God has become sort of a, a solid ground for you to walk on mm. uh, as you navigate these different areas of your life. And you spoke about being a mom and a wife and all these different things. And so for you, what does that mean, um, you know, that God is good? What does it mean to you that God is a good God? I was thinking about the scripture where Jesus is speaking to the rich young man who comes to him and you know addresses him as good teacher yes and jesus says why do you call me good yeah. only god is good and from that i thought okay well if jesus is saying only god is good then that means that only god has done or has a specific characteristic um that is unique to him yeah um, which then led me to think, okay, well, the only thing that God has done that nobody else can lay claim to is he sacrificed his son. Right. Um, and so from, so if I then conclude <laughs> that God is good because he sacrificed his son, um, where that then led me to was, okay, so if God sacrificed his son, what it means to say that God is good is that everything, I mean, in Romans it, speak about, it speaks about how he works everything out for the good of those who love him in accordance with his plans, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, so ultimately what that means is whatever plans God has for your life or for the world, etc., the underlying intention or the underlying um, um, theme, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if that's the right word, is goodness. Like it, it's good. Right. Um, and I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but at least for me, what, what I took from it is, okay, if God would sacrifice his son for me um then i can trust him to be good in other situations yes. so 2020 has been a rough year you know you have lost a loved one you know due to covid and you know you weren't able to see them in hospital because you know hospitals weren't allowing visitors mm -hmm. um you weren't even able to bury them properly because of all the restrictions you know and you can turn to god and say what's what's going on like mm -hmm. why are you allowing me to go through this 
um, in this manner even. Sure. Um, but then I think, okay, but God is good. Mm. How do I know God is good? Because God sacrificed his son. He's the mm. only one or being that has ever done that um, and that can lay claim to having done that. Sure. So if he could go to that extent to, you know, work out my salvation, which ultimately is probably the most um, complicated problem one would have to solve, yeah. then this situation that I am facing, I can trust that God is good, you yes. know, that the underlying theme or the underlying, um, uh, gosh, I really wish I could figure out what that word is, but, you know, the essence yes. um, is that there's a good God that is yeah. allowing the situation to happen. Yeah. Um, if I lost my job this year or if, you know, salary cuts or... Um, I mean, people have gone through some rough stuff. Yes. Marriages have, you know, disintegrated. Yeah. Um, okay, some people have, you know, lost. I mean, we were mourning with a friend of ours who lost his wife. Mm. Um, and and um, and again, okay, yes, I'm going through the situation, but God is still good. Like, this doesn't mean that God is not good. How do I know this? Because he sacrificed his son. Only he has done that. Mm -hmm. And so if he would go to that great extent to do that, I can trust that in this situation, there is good. And, and, and it's not to say that good is going to come from it as in the thing, the situation is going to turn around or, you know, the it's going to get better. I'm mm -hmm. going to get a better job. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, someone who is sick is not going to die. They're going to, you know heal and, and, and be fine, um, whatever, it's, it's not that, it is just knowing that um, it's almost like, I mean, the only way I can think of describing it is that, you know, God's holding me in his hands yeah. and, you know, there may be, you know, some, I don't know, water that comes into the palm of his hands and mm. I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm drowning, but his hands are still there, like, mm. you know, he's good and, and it's almost like a... a a security, a safety net um, that I can rely on um, and trust that he is good. Mm -hmm. And I think linked to that um, is, okay, yes, God is good, but also his ways are not my ways. Yeah. So things will happen and I won't understand it. And to be honest, if God were to consult me, I would probably work things out differently, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so... You know, but he's not consulting me <laughs> so, because he's sovereign and his ways are his ways um, and they're not mine. But I can take comfort in knowing that even though I don't understand mm -hmm. what he's doing and, and where he's going with this whole thing, I can trust that, okay, but this dude killed his son for me. Mm -hmm. So he's good. Yes. And whatever happens here... I can trust that he's good. Sure. When we had this conversation, one of the things that I had mentioned was how, uh, yeah, I won't be able to make sense of everything, but I can look at other things and say, well, God is good because he protected me and God is good because 
A, B, and C. And those things aren't necessarily those things aren't necessarily bad, but how can they become problematic if I'm looking for God in His goodness in specific things? If if we can trust God to solve our salvation problem, which is huge problem if you consider the fact that you know you're born a sinner yeah. um, and God being the holy God that he is there is no way that you should ever be allowed to have a relationship with him mm. um, have communion with him but he um, orchestrated this plan where he would come down in a human form and die a gruesome death on a cross, mm. live a life without sin, um, and then die, and then be resurrected, and then, like, that's just like, you know, that's not, that's not an easy plan. Sure. That's, you know, that's a complex and complicated plan, and do this, and in doing so, allow, you know, salvation to be available for Jews and Gentiles, yes. and it's just like, this is a complex plan. Yeah. But he solved it and he did it. And so if you can trust him to solve your salvation problem, like any other problem that you have, oh, I don't have food to eat or clothing or whatever. I mean, I'm speaking now about the Matthew um, 6 scripture. You know, of course God can take care of those problems, yeah. you know. Um, but again, going back to God is good. Like God was good enough to do this act that nobody else has ever done or will ever do. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm a mom. There's no way I'm going to kill my child. Sure. Sorry, not even for you, Val. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. like, so if, I, if, if God is that good mm. um, that he would do that, mm. then whatever I go through, I can trust that, you know, he is... He's, he's good. He yeah. is good. Yeah. So the circumstance that I'm going through, or the situation that I'm going through, um, is is it's not great. Um, it's challenging. It's hard. It's you know tears every night. Uh, whatever. But God still remains good. You know. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand um, um, the work of His hands. But I can trust um, his heart. Sure. I can trust that he is good mm -hmm. and that he is holding me in the palm of his hands and whatever is happening, it's being sifted through his hands. Like mm -hmm. he's still got me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so yes, absolutely. His protection affirms his goodness. His faithfulness affirms his goodness. His, you know, providence, his, all of that. But I think for me, the, the, the whole test was, and I mean, it goes back to, you know, trusting God. Because, I mean, I remember um, years ago, and I don't even remember the name of the book, but people would shy away from reading this book. It was something on surrender. And there was like a whole thing of, oh my goodness, if you read this book on surrender, you go through like hectic trials and it's almost like, <laughs> okay. you know, um, to test whether you will surrender you to God. Surrender. And I was like, hell <laughs> no, am I going to read that book? Like, why would, why would you bring that on? Like, no, yeah. I'm not going to read that book. 
Um, and, <laughs> and seriously, like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm not about trying to get myself into hardship. Like, <laughs> no. Um, because yes, I, I appreciate that, you know, um, hardship will come, but I'm not going to go and look for it. Right. Um, and also I guess I just felt like, Hey God, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like, you know, you're going to test me and <laughs> am I really going to be ready? Yes. And what are you going to test me with? Like, I mean, now I have a child, like, uh, uh, something that I'll think is, okay, is my child going to grow up an orphan? Like, are you sure. going to take away his parents and he has to grow up an orphan or, you know, will my husband die or, mm. you know, will I be disabled or whatever? I don't yeah. know. But, um, but you know, the the whole thing, I think for me, at least what, I, what I've learned from this year is getting to a point where, okay, God, I can trust that you are good. That even if I get disabled, even if something happens to us and my son has to grow up, you know, an orphan or whatever, he is good. And I have to trust him and his character and, and, um, and trust that he's he's got the plan. His ways are not my ways. He's got the plan. Um, but heck, his number one overarching plan of sacrificing his son so that I could get saved was, you know, magnificent as heck. Mm. So I'm pretty sure whatever plan he has here yeah. will work out. Yeah. Not necessarily in the manner I wanted to. Not necessarily in a manner I can foresee or foretell mm. or you know and as i said things may actually get worse before they get better yeah. which is hard but what's helped me through the hard this year has been to remind myself you're dealing with a good god here sure. you're not dealing with a, a a vindictive or a malicious or a yes no you're dealing with a good god yeah and he's proven that um, with the ultimate sacrifice. Mm. And um, I mean, Roman says, if you know, if he would do that, then what else won't he sure. do for you? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that. I, um, I think I shared with you as well. I needed to get to a place where, well, I was able to see. Okay, you know, the mutability of God, the fact that He doesn't change. And that needed to be, that became my anchor because if God's character doesn't change, then I can look through my life and I can even just yes. look through the scriptures and see, man, my story is not the same as everyone's in the story, but there are things about God that remain true from yes. the beginning to the end. And so that's what I can look for when I read the Bible. That's what I can look for as I, you know, look yes. at my life and, and the things that God has allowed to happen in my life. And I think I've also had to figure out, well, uh, you know, what is essential for me to continue to run this race? Like, what things do I need to hold on to? And I think everybody has to have those things. And for you, um, you've, you know, you've reiterated, man, the goodness of God and his ways are not my ways. And so those are your things. Um, and I think of um, the passage in Romans 12, 1. It talks about throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What are the things that can hinder us uh, or the sin that can entangle us that keeps us from running the race um, to win the prize in the end. Maybe personally, or you can speak in, in general you know, terms. Um, I'm not going to read it, but in Hosea 6, mm -hmm. 
um, it says that, you know, God wants, um, he looks, he seeks mercy, compassion instead of sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And the second part of that says he wants us to know him instead of offering sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, um, your Christian walk has to, it's, it, you have to just, it's about knowing God. Yeah. Um, which is also why this, you know, year of learning that God is good has been great for me because yeah. I feel like I have learned a new, not a new characteristic, but it's new to me in my yes. understanding of it, um, of God. Yes. And I think that that is what, um, that is what your, your walk with God should be. Um, you knowing him and that's what he wants. He wants us to know him yeah. um, in, I mean, in Matthew, he actually, Jesus was actually rebuking the Pharisees. He rebukes them a, a few times where he's mm -hmm. like, you know, and he quotes the Hosea scripture where he's like, no, I'm not about sacrifices. I actually sure. seek mercy, you know, referring to that scripture. But also when he speaks about how, you know, people don't make it into heaven is, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth goes back and says, you know, um, when they're like, hey, but, you know, we, we drove out all these demons, etc. in your name. It's like, get away from me. I never knew you. Yes. Um, which to me, again, emphasizes the importance of knowing God and, you know, building a relationship with him where he knows you and you know him. Sure. And um, there's a, a scripture in, in Psalm 9 that I like um, because it says, those who know you trust you. Right. Which for me, I mean, I always think about how, um, you know, if, okay, you and I are sitting at a bus stop, if I want to quickly, you know, go to the end of the street to throw something in the bin or whatever, I'd happily leave my handbag with you mm -hmm. because I know you mm -hmm. and so I trust you. But if it was a complete stranger, I'm taking my handbag with me sure. to the bin chucking the stuff and then coming back. Mm. And similarly, if you know God, you trust him. Yeah. And so for me, the the search has been to know God. Sure. Like, you know, it's not, which again, Hosea, that's what he's after. He wants mm -hmm. us to know him more than offer sacrifices, more sure. than attend churches, sing, you know, do this, do, no, it's not about that do you know him? Do you have a, a relationship with him? Does he know you? Does he know your... And in fact, I, I mean, I say, does he know you? But I feel like the more I um, seek to know God or, you know, make attempts to know him, the more I actually get to know by, about myself mm -hmm. as well. Because I'm like, oh, snap, I'm definitely not like that. Or, do you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think when it comes to growing in faith or endurance or persevering etc it is you know knowing god yeah. that's that's what helps keep you faithful sure um reading your bible you know not to say oh um what does this teach me about what i should be doing but rather what does this teach me about god right. what am i learning about god mm. his character um his you know the fact that he's not changing the fact that he is good what does that actually mean yeah you know i mean when i started that study i was led to a lot of scriptures about 
you know, goodness. Yes. And I was like, that's not, that's not quite what I'm looking right. for. Like, and it bugged me for a while. <laughs> um, so it's just, you know, it's, I, I feel like that's what helps you in your walk with God. That's what helps you grow. Um, that you're just constantly looking to know who God is. Mm. Um, and the cool thing is that he says, hey, if you look for me, you'll find me. Yes. And I think the more you learn about him and the more you find him, the more you'll want to learn about him and mm. find him even more. Um, and ultimately, that's what your faith walk, or at least my, yeah. my faith walk, yeah. walk in favor, that but when you talk about your relationship with God and what you've, you know, what's become essential, I almost feel and sense like, man, guys, don't overcomplicate this thing. Like we've really put way more <laughs> on God than we should. And then things that we may not fully understand, but you, you yes. know, not making it burdensome for yes. ourselves. Like it doesn't have to be, um, and that the beauty of this, and even as the scripture in First Corinthians talks about, it's this prize that will last. That prize is not a material thing. It's it sounds like you're saying, man, that prize is God. Yes, that's it. So I was reading or listening to a um uh podcast, YouTube, something. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So and it was on Hannah in mm. First Samuel, and. I mean, this girl wants to have a baby and then she prays to God. She's like, you know what? If you give me a baby, I'm going to give him back to you. I'm like, what? what are you talking about? No. <laughs> um, but, you know, and the comment there was, you know, appreciating or getting to a point where the giver of the gift, God, is more important or appreciating that he's better than the actual gift sure. itself. Sure. And I was like, yes, mm. that's where we should be. I mean, I was thinking, I mean, like, I'm so, I'm, I made a comment earlier about, you know, with the trust issues and, oh God, am I going to make it to heaven? Yeah. You know, realizing that, I mean, in, in Psalm 73, where it says, heaven, um, what? Heaven is nothing that I desire besides mm -hmm. you. And... I mean, I was thinking about that and I was like, wow, okay, heaven has nothing I desire besides you. So if I want to go to heaven, it's not that I want to go to heaven. It's actually, I want to go to you. Yes. So if you aren't even in heaven, then I don't want to it's go to heaven. Yeah. And so getting to a point where God is, is my, is, is, is who I'm after, it's who I'm desiring. God is the gift God is the goal. Mm. God is the crown in yes. your Corinthian scripture. And and so, you know, you do things because, oh, I want to get to heaven. So you do things, etc., etc. Sure. But no, I, I actually, if God is on earth, then, hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm quite happy to be here, you know. Um, but God is is who we're after getting to know god getting to know his character getting to be known by him mm. that is what i'm after that is what you know the walk with god or for me at least is about and and yeah so it's not it's not you know heaven it's not yeah. this crown 
apart from God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not after the benefits of, you know, salvation. Although, you know, there are many and, you know, you live a great life and less complicated life, mm-hmm. you know, following God than you would otherwise. But, um, but that's not even, that's not even it. Mm-hmm. It's God himself. Like, that's actually who I'm pursuing and who I'm walking with mm-hmm. and who I'm wanting to know better and and just be in relationship with. Yeah. So yeah. Right. I <laughs> love it. I have no other questions for you, but um you know what are some of your simple joys in life? Doesn't have to be about the Bible necessarily or God, but what are your simple joys? Things maybe you do on a regular basis. I love music. There we go. So I love listening to music. I love singing. I love... I haven't played in a while, but I play piano. So when I do that, I love it. I just, I love music. Yeah. Mm. Lovely. Rachel, thank you so much. (laughs) This conversation, honestly, just full of wisdom. And I can't wait to put it out. But I think even just coming here this morning, I was like, I'm feeling a lot of things, God. I hope this conversation is just refreshing for my own soul. And sometimes it's hearing the same things over that help us. It's not yes. a necessarily a new thing. So I'm grateful that you called me to be on the podcast. And we've done it. You're famous. <laughs> <laughs>
thing that I do when I'm talking. So I fiddle. That's it. Other than that, I'm good. Cool. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, like I said, you know, I grew up in a fa family where my parents, you know, very much believed in God uh, and try to live that out themselves. Um, and I think my perception was always that, you know, I would get serious about God w when I'm older. Um, and so I never had a hard time believing in God growing up um, and seeing a necessity for God. I just was like, let me just try and have some fun um, and be a kid. <laughs> and so I think that's how most people think of it, actually. And so... Yeah, I, I kind of went through in particular high school and I had a great high school career um, and had, you know, did really well in sport and I was popular. So I didn't really see a need for God um, or an urgency to build a relationship with God. Um, but I, for some reason, always knew that even though I believed in God, I didn't, I wasn't living the way God would have wanted me to. Um, and so... I, I don't know how, but I think I looked at my peers and I knew I was better than them in some ways. <laughs> like I'm not doing the wildest things, but I also knew that I'm not really pursuing a relationship with God. And I had that in the back of my mind, but I didn't feel like that was a, uh, like my life was at risk in any way because of that. I just knew oh, I could be doing better. Um, and then 2012 met you <laughs> and, uh, well, I think I met your brother first. I met Nell. And we, yeah, we went to school together and he joined a network marketing company, uh, which obviously later on he brought you onto and you ended up inviting me out to church. And so for me, I mean, I was going to your church cause you invited me to your church, but going to church wasn't new. It was like, oh, okay, cool. I just have a friend who's asking me to come visit his church. And, um, the one thing that really, um, I guess stood out to me cause I think I'd come and visited the Johannesburg Church of Christ, maybe once or twice at that point, um, was that there were people my age who took God very seriously. And I'd never seen that before. So even where I was attending church with my parents, there were people who were in the youth ministry and serving and doing a whole lot there, but I knew their lives. And I was like, yo, there's a double life going on here. So I think I remember just seeing different people, um, you know, yourself, talent, I don't know who else I met at that time. I think I also met Micah Gary, funny enough. And I was just like, these people, they really, they really think this God thing is a serious thing to take serious now. And I remember just thinking there's something I'm missing. Like there's something I must be missing. Um, and started reading my Bible more, funny enough. And then I think the one Sunday you had asked me to study the Bible with, you know, somebody uh, it may have been talent, actually. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, cool. But I had no clue what you were talking about. I was like, oh, it sounds like a cool thing. Um, and obviously, eventually ended up moving to Cape Town. Uh, moved to Cape Town to go and study. And I guess in my mind, like, knew that there was something I needed to figure out with God and I. But I was like, I'm going to Cape Town. I'm going to Cape Town. I'm going to live my life. 
have the most fun, drink, like just, I don't want to be bothered. Also, I'm leaving home for the first time. So, and because I wasn't that kid in high school, I was like, well, then now is the time for me to explore these different things. Um, but I remember you just continually asking me, Hey man, like, have you found the church in Cape Town? I don't know if you remember this at all, but you would ask me like, have you gone out? Have you met somebody? I don't know, but you were bothering me and my good time in Cape Town. <laughs> um, and eventually I, you know, it was in the back of my mind the entire time, but through all the partying, I just didn't it's not actually fun. Like I didn't find going to the club fun at all. Being out of the house definitely was the freedom was definitely, you know, great, but there was a lot of aspects of it where it didn't live up to the hype. Um, and so I, I remember being in a club with my friends and getting a phone call from, I think her name was Jackie. And she was like, Hey, got your number from someone. Would you like me to pick you up for church in the morning? This is like a Saturday night. And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, you can pick me up. And I remember hanging up the phone and looking at my friends and saying, hey, guys, we need to be out of here by like 2 or 3 a.m. because I got church in the morning. And there was this insane, like, like as I heard the words coming out of my mouth, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, let's party for another couple hours because I've got to go and be spiritual in the morning. Um, and so yeah I ended up going to church and i think church just became an escape initially i because i wasn't like i said i wasn't really enjoying the partying it wasn't all that fun um and i wasn't really enjoying the crowd and so it was like cool i have an excuse to not party as hard because i've got this other church events going on so i can be excused from that um and shortly after going to visit visit the cape town church um started going through different Bible studies and again, just using it as an escape. But as the word of God does, it just kind of exposes your heart. So even if you're using it, it's like at the end of the day, it's going to show you who you are. Um, yeah. And then I remember just getting to a point where I realized that again, like the life that I was living was a double life and I really did want God and the God I'd seen growing up, although very real, like I wasn't following him sincerely and I didn't have a relationship with him. Uh, it's almost like I grew up around God, grew up around Jesus, but didn't have a personal relationship with him. And so, yeah, August 13 was sort of the, the time where I remember having a conversation with Kate through my studying the Bible and going through the scriptures where she was like, hey, I've heard of you. I see you've been coming out to church. What's going on? And I was like, yeah, I'm just doing these Bible studies. It's been cool, learning a lot. And she's like, oh, where are you at? And I was like, no, you know, towards the end of the Bible study series. And she's like, wow, I don't know that I would be that far and still not have made a decision about what I want. And I remember being like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. And then next weekend, I think it was August 4th, 2013, I decided to, to get baptized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll work out. Yes. <laughs> nah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And the first thing that comes to my mind really is that people don't really know God. Uh, and so I think in part, it's like you've relied on other people for your understanding of who God is, but actually sitting and reading the word for yourself is not, that doesn't exist outside of a Sunday service. And so if I don't actually know God, then I don't have a relationship and there's no need for me to live out a relationship with him further than Sunday. Right. Um, and so I think I know that that was true for me. Uh, I relied heavily on other people's information for a relationship with God. And so, yeah, man, I, I do think that exists today because it's also very difficult to live by God's standard. Um, and so the world is very attractive and there's always going to be things pulling at us, right? It's like either I, you know, do what the, the, the majority of people are doing the popular thing, right? Or this God thing that's, and I, I think a lot of people do want that too, which is crazy because that's how people can have like the high of, man, you know, I learned this great lesson and it's. I'm, I'm inspired. I feel emboldened on a Sunday, right? Cause you have this worship experience, but it's an experience void of a relationship. Um, and so it's man. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So Man, okay, I'll try my best to, to unpack that. But the best way I can explain it is the way we've set up church today is we are trying to appeal to the crowds. And so we want God to represent us and our current culture and not let God be God. So we create this, you know, I come and it's like this. And I think all of these things can be good things. Great worship service, band, lights, strobe lights everywhere. I'm the pastor with tattoos, I'm the hip guy, whatever. And I come and I can have this, you know, very emotional experience because that's what they've created. That's what they want. I think some churches actually call it, they don't want to call it a Sunday service anymore. They call it a worship experience because they want people to come in and feel something. Um, but they don't want people to come and, and see God and know God. And so that's what I mean by experience versus relationship. Um, cause I think all of those things are okay, but is the goal at the end of the service to have a larger church attendance, uh, or is it that people would know God and want to live for him ultimately? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
right yes Yeah. Mm. Sure. I I know what helped me was one, and I, I probably will reiterate this over again in this podcast, is just um, believing that the word of God is God's words. Like that this is, if I am really convicted about that, then it changes my attitude towards, towards the scriptures. Um, but I think in order for me to move from, okay, I'm growing around, growing up around God to having a personal relationship with him I had to let people into that uh, I had to I needed people to help me to see God for who he was um, and so I the the Christianity I grew up around was very much a prosperity gospel and so God was always about what he could do for me um, and so this year's your year and like everything was about the success that could come from having a relationship with him. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, for the person who grows up around God, but doesn't have a personal relationship, I, my first, my first instinct is, man, you get people in there who can help explain the scriptures to you. Um, because the most beautiful thing about the Bible isn't what God can do for you. Um, but who he is and what he's already done. And the entire Bible from the beginning and to the end is a story about God. And so I have grown to love that about the Bible because then I'm not going there looking for my experiences in the Bible. I'm looking for someone in the Bible. And so I can enjoy him more sincerely because of that. Um, but yeah, get people in there. And I think over time what ends up happening is you grow to love the God that you're reading about and then you want to learn and know God for yourself um, because it isn't something you can necessarily do on your own. And I tried. I definitely sat there and had moments where I was like, cool, I want to get close to God, get my Bible, whip it open, read something. And the, the problem with that is, again, you're looking for like an emotional experience and not necessarily to know God. Um, but if I can sit with someone and they're like, all right, this is how we actually read the Bible. This is how we get to know God. I think that goes a long way. Um, at least for me, it did. Yeah. 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 Mm. Sure. Yeah. 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 Mm. 
<laughs> okay. So the whole reason I went to Ram Park in the first place was because I I wanted to leave the school I was at because they never acknowledged me for how good I was at my sport. And I was like, forget that. I'm starting scratch. Like, you know, whatever. But the problem was that my brother had also gone to Rand Park. So he had also a very successful athletics career. And I was like, man, Val, you just got to make a name for yourself. That's what high school is about. And so I went to Rand Park and I remember grade eight. I was like, I'm not telling anyone who my brother was going there, doing my own thing. Uh, we had inter, what do they call it? Inter house and ran the hundred meters, hundred meter won the race. And I remember like the principal standing at the end of the race and shaking my hand and be like, wow, that was insane. Like, what's your name? I'm like Valerie Mere. And he just gave me this weird look. And then I was like, cheers, goodbye. Because I was like, oh, he's the surname is probably, you know. And then I was like, cheers. And funny enough, the next day he was like, apparently I didn't go to training the next day and came back to school. And everyone's like, dude, the principal was looking for you all day yesterday, like on the on the field, like he was looking for you. He figured out who you are. And I was like, dang, that's not what I wanted. Like I wanted to do my own thing. But pretty much ever since then, like I'd always loved running, to be honest. Uh, but I think what I realized about it as well was that it made me popular. Uh, it, You know, when you're good at anything, I think, I think, yeah, <laughs> people, you know, gravitate towards you. And I wasn't popular as a little kid. And so the moment I realized I was good at sport and that it got me attention, I was like, I better cling to this thing. And it very much became my identity. So ran throughout high school, was known for it, uh, was popular because of that and other sports as well. Um, and then, yeah, I think another highlight, my matric year, like ran my final race and I was arrogant. I'm not going to lie to you because it's like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe those things come together, being good at sport. And I just, I finished my 200 meter sprint and then I just did like a bolt pose in front of thousands of kids, like in the middle of the track. This was into high, I think. So into high is like Northcliffe, Rand Park, a whole bunch of schools and yeah, just did this bolt pose. So arrogant, but loved every minute of it. I don't want to lie to you. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so, yeah, I ran throughout high school and then moved to Cape Town. And I did think that Cape Town would be really good. Um, one, I wanted to move away from home, but I didn't realize that the athletics team was not as great as, you know, anywhere else. And so actually what ended up happening in Cape Town is I was training myself every day twice a day so I would run in the mornings and I'd go to gym then I'd have a sometimes three a days and I was just like well if I'm going to keep up my fitness level like I've just got to do it myself um, but then like you said eventually you realize it's, it's not going to work you're not going to be able to compete against people at this you know at, at that level if you don't have proper training um, and then ended up moving back to Joburg to train with a proper coach and um yeah, I did really well there, was able to do provincials um, and went to national trials. But I think the struggle with athletics as well as or any sport is injuries. And so I'd constantly have these injuries that would come up, hamstring, this, that. So by the time I went to nationals, I had an injury. Um, um, yeah, so that, that was pretty much running. And then I continued it out. I think that must be in 2014 when I moved back, 2014. And then beginning of 2015, uh, you know, was going to continue pursuing it. was hoping then to get into nationals and do a much better job. And then 
you know, first month into the year, my brother dies in a car accident and it kind of flipped my whole year around and my whole life. <laughs> so I think it's, you know, there was a part of me that was like, man, I really want to pursue my running because it was something I had in common with my brother, but I was also going through a lot emotionally. Um, and so I went through a very tough time at the beginning of the year, but then decided, man, the one thing that has remained consistent in my life and through the help of other people as well has been my love and passion for running. And so in a lot of ways, the counsel that I got was just keep doing that thing to keep saying, like, just go run, keep pursuing that. Um, and then eventually decided 2016 to move to London to go and like, I was, I got to a point where I was like, I enjoy running and I want to know that at the end of it, I've done all I can, you know, to to get to where I need to get to. And if that doesn't happen, then I'll deal with that later. And so that was that was the London decision ultimately. Uh, because the training I was getting here was good, but still I think like in Cape Town, I knew that in order for me to get to the next level, I need to get some next level training. And so this Olympic group, um, tr Olympic training group um, in actually Phoenix is originally where I wanted to go to, but it didn't work out. And then at the same time, a club in London was like, we're looking for athletes from around the world. And um, I applied there. And within five weeks, I was on a plane to London to to go and train with a group there, which was to this day, the best experience of my life. I've never been challenged like that before. I've never wanted to cry that much. <laughs> I've never like it was real. I thought I was a good athlete. And then I went there because everyone's good there. Everyone works hard there um, and you're not the best. So yeah yeah i was there for five people always remember it as a year and i'm like guys it was five months <laughs> it was five months yeah <laughs> yeah Hmm. No. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> really? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, it's obviously an incredible amount of pride, you know, because it's, man, I've done this for me, but I've also done this for my school, right? I put points on the board. And so, and I think before you even cross the finish line, there is this roaring sound from the crowd 
that like literally I, I honestly think that that carries you to the finish line because even if you're tired you're like man i've got thousands of people watching me at this moment you better get over that line but just an incredible feeling of pride and then you cross over the line you've done the thing you've won and it's just like man like i feel like a hero <laughs> i honestly just feel like a superhero and what i would do sometimes as well um it's so interesting now all my stuff's coming out but i would i would win the race and be super cool like i'm not i was never like a you know wild jumping up and down just be super calm like guys i knew i was gonna win this like no big deal and then yeah literally just calm but inside i'm like yeah and then i go i'd walk through the stands afterwards to go to the bathroom and people would just be like high-fiving me and this and that and i just lived for that i was like i didn't need the bathroom at all but i was just like let me just walk through the crowds and like get my handshakes and high fives and no man i i i loved every bit of being able to be um yeah be able to be an athlete but i think just being able to do something for the bigger team yeah yeah Hmm. yeah i think initially for me it wasn't those things it was I, so yeah so i think initially i wanted the praise and i wanted the you know the acknowledgement i wanted to be seen um because like i said in the beginning sport for me was the thing that made me popular so that was my only driving force was i i remain popular i remain someone people like uh then over time i think i only grew to love the sport later on um and how did i know when i was in cape town and there was no crowd and there was no nothing i was still training on my own so then i just i i started started to grow to love the actual art of being an athlete and doing the sport um and so then yeah that the desire to get better and see how far i could go how much i could push my body um to see how fast i could absolutely like run 100 meters i was like that's what i want to see that's all i want to see is how quick can i be um and i i think london taught me to then appreciate the process of things and so like okay and how i eat and how i train technique like the details so it's almost like the love shifted over time and became more authentic it became more real uh to the sport versus like the the praise but i think the in as much as i loved running there was also an element of it that was toxic for me uh because i so much of my identity was wrapped up in my athletics um that if if i didn't win it felt like an attack on who i was and so I would be miserable for days. So we just spoke about the celebrating, but if I lost a race for days, I would just be like, I'm nothing. Like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to, I just felt like, therefore I am not, because it's what made me popular, right? Um, and so, yeah, in pushing through, you know, and going to London and doing all of that, and then coming back to Joburg and continue, continuing to try and pursue the dream, I realized the toxic side of my athletics and I had to ask myself questions about man like 
why do you still want to do this? Is it because you love the sport or is it because of something else? You feel like it's, it's who you are. And with time, I realized that I do love the sport. Um, but I really think that my identity is in this. And at the point where I retired, so to speak, from athletics was a point where I got, where I realized like, oh, actually I'm not what I do and I'm ready to let go of the sport. Like I, my identity is not my running, so I'm good. Like I can leave it happily. I did all I wanted to do. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So being in London, we had a five hour, we're training five hours a day. And so, you know, we were there from what, I think we started at eight o'clock in the morning and the, the day is split up into different things. It's gym, it's actually running on the track, it's, you know, different. There's a whole bunch incorporated in that. And so when I moved there, I had one thing in mind, which was, you know, I want to be able to go. I think it was Commonwealth at the time. I was like, I want to train for Commonwealth and I want to run this time, right? And everyone has a goal, like, okay, I want to run this time. I want to achieve this thing. Um, and I realized my biggest frustration was, focusing on my times and not focusing on the little things that could help my times improve and so i was so like bent on like okay i've got to run this time and we would get timed often in training um and i'm just concentrating on that element of things and i i just wasn't enjoying my experience at all because i was like why and if you know anything about athletics like to get faster is gonna take you forever and a day it takes years you don't just do that overnight and so the frustration forced me to like confront this, you know, what is it about for you? You know, because when you get that time, when you run that time, then what? Like that can't be the end goal. And so with everything in my life, I have to ask like, and then what? Like you get the thing and then what? And so as a result, I was like, all right, cool. Like how can I, I the times will come, but what is it in the middle of this process that I can appreciate? 
and it's i think what i had to learn to love was growth like okay this week i just ate i ate incredibly well this week like i was consistent you know i didn't falter in any aspect but in and then i'll go to my technique okay in my technique what did we improve and we had to journal everything as well so it's like i'm journaling how much weight i lifted this week doing the deadlift and then next week and then that became inspiring for me to see that oh man i'm better than last week and so I get the instant gratification thing because I'm still that person. <laughs> and with everything I, ha I do, I have to say, okay, Val, and then what? What can we appreciate now? What can we enjoy now? Okay, cool. I'm lifting more weight than I was last week or in the business, right, um, that I'm running now. It's like, all right, I've got one more subscriber this week than I had last week. What did we do differently? Great. Like, there's just incremental growth. Um, and then learning to appreciate, man, the relationships I've you know, build along the way, because in anything we do in life, it isn't, sh it's not short lived. A lot of it is like, it's going to take years and years and years before I actually get the end result. So what's going to happen in between? Am I going to be miserable? Is my life going to be less than, and I refuse to live that way. I refuse to live in a way that's only about the end goal. Um, because I, I do think there's years in my life where I've missed out on my life because I'm thinking about what will come next year or whatever it may be yeah yeah hope that makes sense Six years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think at the point where I was 20, I just turned 20 when I lost my brother. And at that point in my life, I hadn't lost anybody. Um, I think I'd lost like a grandparent, but I didn't know them that well. And so also the nature of how Simba died, it was very sudden. And so it's just, you almost, your body goes into shock uh and so i even think back to the day when i found or well, the day he died and i was told it's like i re i knew it's like someone tells you oh your brother's died you know that's bad so you're crying but the rest of your body hasn't really caught up to the the permanence of the situation and i think that's what a lot of 2015 was for me it's like it was slowly catching the reality was catching up because now i'm at the house and he's not there um and i've had the support system for 20 years that's no longer there um and even though i had my parents it's a different type of support right 
um but we also had a very close relationship so it's like i've actually lost my best friend as well and my sounding board like the person that i speak to about everything so man i i honestly feel that 2015 was it's it's almost a blur but i i think my body was just in a lot of shock and so i was doing a lot of things to cope um one of those things is like I was trying to numb and so I had money when my brother passed away and so I would just spend like spending was my way of like making myself feel better and it sounds weird and I, I even when I think of it now I'm like that's such a weird thing to go to you know and people go to different things but that was my thing and I was eating more I remember I think I gained like 10 kgs that that year so I wasn't coping at all I was grieving for sure but I don't even think I was aware. I wasn't aware of the weight gain. I wasn't aware of the spending. I was just almost moving through the motions. And um, it was incredibly painful because, you know, talking about it with people who haven't experienced it was also hard. Because I was like, you actually don't know what I'm going through. And it's, it was frustrating. Um, and I almost felt like I had to confront my relationship with God in that year as well because I, at that point I was a I was a Christian for a year and a half and things were going great and then my brother dies and then it's like it was like what is this relationship with God actually right and it, it's exposed like you actually cannot hide it whatsoever and so although I didn't feel mad at God my actions definitely revealed I was mad at God. It's like all grumbling is grumbling against God ultimately, whether you want to call it that or not. So that's what the whole year was. But I think over time, I've had to reconcile that I will not understand the circumstance, all the circumstances around how my brother died. But what I can, what I can trust is that God is good. And I can trust that he is aware of me and he's aware of my pain and that in the lowest moments of those pain he's not like he sees it there's a passage in psalm yo i cannot remember i don't want to lie to people but it says that um a lightly blowing wick he will not snuff out something like that and it's this idea of like man when you're at your lowest like on your last <laughs> your last string like god's not going to snuff you out He's, he sees that and he will infuse that again. And so I was like, I don't need to really understand all the ways God is, has worked out things with my brother. Because there are moments, and I, I think I've had this, that, these moments this year where I felt like, dang, that was unfair. Like I had one sibling, we were really close and you took that away. And it's very hard for me still to think through that. But I have to lean on the, the character and nature of God ultimately. And so if I believe that he is good, uh, then I can trust that, you know, whatever's happened around, the things that have happened around my brother's death are for my good. And so would I have chosen a different path to learn the things I've learned? Absolutely. Losing my brother would be like very far down that list. But what I can appreciate about losing him was that I've definitely become, ooh, I don't know if you can hear the lightning. <laughs> Um, I've definitely become a lot more empathetic and I've become a lot more present. And so for those things, I'm grateful. And hopefully 
and I think another thing that I'm conscious of is just how I build relationships um, and telling people how I feel about them. It's a regret I have with my brother. I don't think I told them enough how much I appreciated him. And so I refuse to live in a, such a way where people don't know how I feel about them while they're here. So, yeah, I think that answers your question. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, sure. So the reason I started the podcast was because we were in lockdown. I don't know that <laughs> I would have actually done it any other time, but I, I guess through the difficult years over the past, I, maybe let me say four years, um, I was, you know, confronted with the reality of what my relationship with God was. And I realized that the reason why I was frustrated in my relationship with God was because I didn't really know God. Um, and then I, I realized that, you know, in order for me to know God, I actually have to learn how to appreciate reading my Bible and knowing it. And I just went through this incredible journey of learning how to read my Bible for all it's worth, reading it in context, um, like the most basic things about reading your Bible. And as I grew to love that, I was like, man, I, I definitely want to be able to, and it actually started as a YouTube channel initially. And I was like, I just want to be able to share the things that I'm learning. Like, how can I help other people move away from having shallow devotional times with God and actually really knowing their Bibles? Um, and so I also realized that I would have, you know, study many things out throughout my year, my years, and then um, at the end of the year, not really know what I'd learned because everything was just spot knowledge on different topics, humility, grace, like, and not really knowing full context of my Bible. And so that's where, you know, the heart of it was that is like, how can I share the things I'm learning and help people in that space? Um, and then shifted to the podcast because I didn't like recording myself on camera. It was like, oh, lighting, I must look nice. Uh, I don't care for it as much. Uh, but on a podcast, I can I can talk freely um, and honestly about what's going on. And it can be longer, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think originally the podcast was going to be just basic tips about, you know, reading your Bible or different Bible studies, which I do think I'll do on some level. But... I realized very quickly the things that resonated with people were the authentic, real conversations about life, like their faith journey. And so uh, I think my first podcast was with Tabang and it was about the guilt of ambition, pursuing your dreams. And so I was like, I think what will resonate, because I can't come on a podcast giving people tips like, what grounds do I have to stand on to give people input on like how they should be reading them? I really felt like, who are you? But I can share my life and then hopefully things will resonate and will inspire people towards God. 
and it's been it's been fun it's been incredible yeah it's 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 incredible to get feedback from people about man that's what i've been going through like how are you navigating that with god because that's the goal and like you said i think at the beginning like whether that's one person or a hundred people who listen to it like it's as long as i'm being honest and uh true to like who i am and being true in that um I guess being true in my relationship with God and being honest about what that is, then it will always resonate with people uh, and it will always be impactful. And that's, that's it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Right. Cool. Yes. So yeah and yeah the theme does run through everything and it did come from this idea of just having an integrity in the work that i do uh, or whatever i produce um and so even as i you know you read in the beginning of the bible and through different places in the bible this idea of good good being uh, not only in that the thing is good but in that it's complete and so i was like i or in like i've put in i've put in everything in, in, that i need to put into it and so I was like, man, let me just keep that theme going because it matters to me that I have integrity in the work that I do. Um, and so with Good Cup, I, yeah, man, I honestly was just looking for a business to start. And uh, I always have been, and I think I always will be looking for opportunity. Uh, that's kind of in my DNA. It's fun for me. And I was looking to, you know, leave my job to pursue my entrepreneurial dreams and coffee just ended up becoming the best opportunity at the time. And so it's funny because a lot of people will ask me, you know, why did you get into the coffee industry? And I was like, purely opportunity. Uh, at the time where I was looking for a business to start, roasteries were, I was seeing that a lot of them were selling wholesale, but also because of COVID, they had much reduced rates on their, on their coffee. And then I started doing research on coffee as a whole and realizing and learning that a lot of the farmers who farm these uh that farm coffee are women and they are women of color yet the industry doesn't represent that you when you think of coffee you think of like a white guy with a flannel shirt like you don't think of black people or black women and so it's like it'd be great to create that representation in that way that you know i'm a black woman owning this coffee brand and i think it's becoming a lot more popular now uh, but also I'm getting it at a really good price. <laughs> and so I was like, cool, I'm going to buy some stock and I'm going to figure out marketing. Uh, and I'm going to try and learn as much as possible about coffee because uh, I don't want to just sell the thing. I want to know what I, I can <laughs> about it and be able to speak on it. And that's just been an ongoing journey. I launched it two months ago and the feedback has been incredible. Um, one, because people want to support small businesses. People want to support you know, black owned businesses as well. Um, but it's just been an incredible learning, uh, journey for me as well, because I, I think I've started many things before, but it's, I'm learning how to run a business from top to bottom. 
Uh, and every day I'm trying to figure out my systems and how I can run this thing in a way that, um, yeah, it has great integrity, but it's a product that people like as well. And so, yeah, as a, as time has gone by and as I've built it over the year, do I, you know, I definitely want to sell coffee and make profit selling coffee, but I'm learning through the relationships that I'm building um, that there's so much more that I want to do with the brand than just sell coffee. Um, there's so, in so many ways I want to serve the community by having this brand as well. And so I'm kind of going through a journey of figuring out how do I um, create that community within the, the company as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's good cup. Yes. <laughs> mm. Mm. Sure. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I, um, honestly, a lot of prayer because in as much as I'm speaking a lot about all of these things, there was a lot of stress and anxiety, um, about, you know, how do I like, what is it that I want to do? What direction do I want to go in, in this life? Um, and like I said at the beginning, I, I have many different interests and part of my frustration was always like, man, why can't I just be a specialist? Like, why can't I be someone who's like, ah, I want to do this one thing, be a doctor, end of story, like less stress <laughs> um, versus being this person who knows she wants to be an entrepreneur, but doesn't know how she's going to go about it. And so, yeah, man, I, I had to pray a lot about um, like God make things clear. But with time as well, as I prayed through that, I realized there wasn't going to be, you know, one right thing. Um, and so I had to open as many doors as possible and then allow God to shut the doors where he was like, nope, this is not a thing. 
And so that's how I navigated, you know, figuring out my purpose, so to speak, is God, I'm just going to open these doors because this seems these are all interests I have. These are all things, you know, I could be good at. And then shut the doors where you feel like this is a this is not a thing. Um, and then I'll just continue in whatever direction where there's an open door. Um, but whatever those things are, I must finish what I start. Because I think I I definitely had a habit of starting many things and then stopping a lot of things. That's just, yeah, if anyone knows me, there's a lot of things I've started. But it's being able to be like, cool, this is what seems to be clear. And so this is the avenue I'm going to take and I'm going to do it with integrity. I'm going to work hard at it. I'm going to find out everything I need to find out about it. And then I, and let God be God. Because I, I do think we can over-spiritualize as well, like, you know, having a purpose and having a particular thing. And I think God definitely cares about who we become um, more than the thing that we do. And so even as I navigate different interests um, uh, or things I want to do, I just have to filter it through a bunch of things as well. Like for my, you know, my personal relationship with God as well. Like how does this affect me spiritually? How does it affect my relationship? How does it affect me financially as well? Because a lot of my ventures cost money and require a lot of me. So I have to think in those spaces like, okay, cool. If I can check these three, three things off and I feel like it's good, then let's go ahead. And then God can kind of help me navigate the rest. Yeah. 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 Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. 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 Mm. Yeah, um, definitely not has not consistently been a strength of mine, but what I found to be great for my relationship with God is just vulnerability. Um, and so, you know, you know how people equate your relationship with your dad to your relationship with God. So I used to, my dad, like, you just have to have your story straight. So like, why are you crying? Just what is it like ABC? Let's sort the situation out. And so that's how I would approach my prayer life is like, I've got to have my story straight when I approach God. Um, and so I had to kind of let go of, that type of thinking and so now i the way i approach it has got a lot more to do with being real with god than anything else um and so i journal a lot when i pray but i pray consistently like mornings i'm gonna pray and then in the evening i'm gonna pray i may not journal both times because that can get exhausting but being able to see like um also the things that i'm saying to god or hear the things that i'm saying to god has been really helpful um and then 
and then being able to allow God to be God in those situations versus coming with a very rehearsed, perfect story to God. Um, and then trusting that he is my dad, like he is my father. So he already knows before I ask him. And so God is not um, trying to catch me out on anything. And so I think ultimately my, my practicals are to really know who God is because then it changes how you approach him. If I understand him as my father, then I'm not, you know, being super rehearsed and thinking that I have to be this perfect person before God. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't know what your second question was. Was that it? Oh. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, um, used to be heavily dependent on resources to go through. and I, don't, I actually think resources are great it's a great way to start uh but what's been helpful for me actually is these um study journals that i found you can buy them at um okay cool yeah so what's been really helpful for me for my bible study is to actually have um study journals and so you can buy them from Kum books. And basically what I do is what they have is the entire book of the Bible, whatever book you want to study out. And they, um, they have the whole, that whole book printed and they have lines. And what I do is I sit with, um, I have an ESV study Bible. I think some people have a Thompson Bible as well, but I will sit and read through that on its own like I'm not using a devotional book I'm not using anything and then write my observations on the character of God based on what I've read and then if I'm studying a particular book of the Bible out I actually will read uh, so for example James is a great way to start as well because it's a short book but I read the book of James every single day it's short enough that you can do that but every day I'm going to see something different um and every day I'm going to pick up, pick up something about God. And so I journal those things out and that's what I pray through. And so anything that I don't understand, then I'll annotate in that little study journal. And then I'll use references to go back and be like, all right, what could this possibly mean? Because I think in the past or for a lot of people, it's easier to, it's easy to read scripture and depend on other people's commentary to understand what the scriptures are saying. Or we go to it looking for a particular answer without understanding, man, like who was James talking to? What was going on at that time? It changes the book of the Bible entirely when you understand what was going on. But also if I read the Bible as a book about God and not a book about me, then I can actually learn a lot more about myself than I realize. Um, and, and that's kind of where I operate out of. So what's been helpful for me to grow is just to take baby steps to kind of having my own knowledge versus being, having a dependent knowledge, um, for my understanding of who God is. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Sure. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hmm, that's not an easy question to end off with, but <laughs> we can go, right. Um, I'll tell you that, so the last podcast I did was about, you know, spiritual minimalism and traveling or, yeah, traveling light. Um, I think in a lot of ways we can make our relationship with God more burdensome than it needs to be. And so... If anything, and I keep saying it, but what I learned this year was the, the, I honestly think this saved my faith this year was the immutability of God, the fact that he doesn't change. Um, and just hanging on to that, because if God doesn't change, right, then when I read through the Bible, I can just see this consistent character from beginning to end. And that's what I can hold on to, because there's a lot of stuff I see and I experience, right? that can influence my faith. But also I read the Bible sometimes and I'm like, this is nuts. Like David, like, I don't like David. There's certain people that I'm just like, how does God, you know, celebrate certain men in the Bible or certain things and condone certain things. But it's realizing that this book is not really about these men and women who flopped. It's about one God and his character doesn't change. And so if I can look for that, then I'm, then I'm all right. Um, and yeah, I guess that's it for me. It's just look for God's character, look for how he doesn't change and you'll be good.
No, but I trust that you have a big following. So everybody just pray for me. I want to get married one day. <laughs> so I feel like if I, if I put, I, I'm just being real with everybody. Just put it out there. I'm just asking for prayers. If you got anything out of today, <laughs> pray, pray for me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Reams. Hello, my name is Valerie, and this is the Good Soil Podcast, a podcast about growing in faith. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be running a series called Pass the Mic, Teach the Text, and I'll have different women uh, on the platform sharing about scripture that they're learning from, uh, scripture that's inspired them, and the hope is that what it'll do is inspire people towards God and inspire people towards knowing and being competent with the Word of God. Uh, Enjoy this next episode. It's by a good friend of mine, uh, Lerato uh, or Lele, and she teaches on Titus 2. Hello, my name is Valerie, and this is the Good Soil Podcast, a podcast about growing in faith. Over the next couple of weeks, we will have a series called Pass the Mic, Teach the Text, and I'll have different women on the platform sharing about passages of scripture that have challenged and inspired them towards God. And the hope is that it would do the same for you. It would inspire you towards God and uh, encourage and embolden you to have a competence with the word of God. This episode uh, was done by a friend of mine called Lele on Titus 2. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Valerie and this is the Good Soil Podcast, a podcast about growing in faith. Over the next couple of weeks, I will run a series called Pastor Mike Teach the Text. And I will have different women um, share on passages of scriptures that have challenged them and inspired them towards God. And the hope is that it would do the same for you. It would inspire you towards God and inspire and embolden you towards having a competence with the word of God. This episode was done by a friend of mine, Lele, and she teaches on Titus 2 and just what it means to have the grace of God teach you to say no to ungodliness. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Valerie, and this is the Good Soil Podcast, a podcast about growing in faith. Uh, Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be running a series called Pass the Mic, Teach the Text. And the hope is that we'd have different women share on passages of scripture and teach on passages of scripture that have challenged them and inspired them towards God. And the hope is that it would do the same for you, inspire you towards God um, and inspire and embolden you towards having a competence with the word of God. On today's episode, I have a good friend of mine, Lele, teaching on Titus 2 and what it looks like to have grace teach you to say no to ungodliness. Enjoy the episode. Hello, my name is Valerie, and this is the Good Soil Podcast, a podcast about growing in faith. On this episode, episode two of uh, our series, Pass the Mic, Teach the Text, I have a friend of mine, Athena. She's a nurse and she's an author, uh, and she's one of the first people I was able to build a relationship with when I moved to London in 2016, 2017. On today's episode, she'll be teaching on Philippians chapter four, a passage that's helped her get through 2020. Enjoy. So I had this whole elaborate plan to connect with God this holiday and I'm one week in and I've struggled, not because of a lack of time or a lack of planning. I just realized that there's just a lot of unspoken disappointment between God and I. And even though I'm spending time in the word, I don't necessarily feel connected to God. And um, 
I'm disappointed and it's hard to connect with a God you feel disappointed in. And so, you know, upon realizing this, I I decided that it would probably be good for me to change the plan for how I was going to connect with God over this holiday. And although I feel like there are times where maintaining in what you're studying um, and just seeing that through is helpful for times like this, I felt a deep sense that what I needed more than anything was intimacy, more than dutifulness. So I've been meditating on old passages and scriptures that once pulled me through very tough seasons and scriptures that have inspired me. But what's been hard about going through that is it's difficult to believe them in my heart. The same sense of awe and inspiration that those scriptures gave me two years ago or a year ago uh, is not there. And so instead of getting frustrated at that, I'm just praying through those scriptures. I'm praying about believing again. I'm asking God to help me with my unbelief. And I'm praying for his perspective. And so today I read through Luke chapter 18. And Jesus tells a parable to teach his disciples to to always pray and to never give up. And he ends off the parable by saying that God does bring justice to those who belong to him, who cry out to him. He does not put them off and he comes quickly to their rescue. And finally, he ends off with uh, (sighs) Today I read through Luke 18. Jesus tells a parable to his disciples. And he tells the parable to help them understand that they should always pray and never give up. And he ends off by saying that God does bring justice to those who belong to him and who cry out to him and he does not put them off. And in fact, he actually comes quickly to their rescue. And I've just been wrestling through those words all of today and praying through those words and being honest with God about how I feel like he does put me off and how he is slow and not quick to come to my rescue. Uh, I prayed, I journaled, and then I moved on with my day. My times have been deep but short, rather than the usual. And then, you know, I prayed through that. And and so I had to pray through that. I had to pray through how I do feel like God puts me off and how he's slow to show up for me. And so I prayed, I journaled, and then I moved on with my day. My times have been deep, but shorter than usual. And then I leave it alone, because that's all I can do at the moment. It's all I can handle. My faith just feels very fragile. But I'm holding on to this, you know, one scripture, which I have, I think, for, for the most part this year, Isaiah 42, verse 3. And it says, a, bru- a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And the idea is that, you know, he will not make those who are already broken down um, with a sense of sin and calamity uh So, you know, there's one passage that I, I've i been holding on to, I guess, for the most part of this year. 
uh, and I'll quote it, it's Isaiah 42 verse 3, and it says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And the idea is just that he will not make those who are already broken down with a sense of sin and calamity more wretched. He will not deepen their affliction uh, or augment their trials or multiply their sorrows. The sense is that he will have an affection or an affectionate regard for the brokenhearted and the humble. And he does not cast away or crush or condemn the wounded in conscience. Um, But there is one passage that I'm holding on to and have for the most part of this year, and it's Isaiah 42 verse 3, and it reads, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And the idea is that he will not break those who are already broken down with a sense of sin and with calamity. And so there is one, you know, scripture that I've been holding on to, I guess for the most part of this year, and it's Isaiah 42 verse 3, and it reads, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And the idea is that he's not going to make those who are already broken down um, with a sense of sin or calamity. um. And so there has been one passage I've been holding on to for the most part of this year. Isaiah 42 verse 3 reads, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And the idea is that he will not make those who are already broken down with a sense of sin, or those who are um, deeply afflicted, he will not continue to So there has been one passage that I've been holding on to for most of this year, and it's Isaiah 42 verse 3, and it reads, A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And the idea is that God doesn't break down those who are already broken down. Uh, He will not deepen the afflictions or augment their trials or multiply their sorrows. Uh, The sense is that he will have an affectionate regard for the brokenhearted and the humble. And he will not cast us away or crush us or condemn the wounded in conscience. Uh, and so I think this this passage has helped me. I I heard someone else quoted earlier on in this year, and it's just helped me to understand that God is not um, He is not surprised by my struggles, and He is not uh, expecting me to to understand and to just pull myself right back up again. I think the the bigger lesson for me is probably to learn how to sit in this uncomfortable space. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to share that. So I had this whole elaborate plan to connect with God this holiday and I'm one week in and I've struggled, uh, not because of a lack of time or lack of planning, but I just realized early on that there's a lot of unspoken disappointment between God and I. And it is very difficult to connect with the God that you that you are disappointed in. And so upon realizing this, I just decided that 
it would probably be good to change my plan for how I planned on connecting with God. And although I do believe that there are times where maintaining in what you're studying or planned on studying is good and probably helpful for times like this, I just felt a deep sense that what I needed was intimacy more than dutifulness. And so I decided that I would meditate on old old passages, passages that have pulled me through in tough seasons and that have inspired me at different times this year or in previous years. Um, But what's hard about that, and especially today, um, is that I'm finding it difficult to believe those passages in the same way I did two years ago or a year ago. And so I'm praying through that. I'm praying that God would help my unbelief. I'm praying for his perspective on old passages that have once helped me and pulled me through. Today I read Luke 18. Um, Jesus tells a parable to teach his disciples to always pray and never give up. And he, it's this parable about this persistent um, widow who keeps asking this unjust judge for justice and he keeps putting her off. And the parable ends off with Jesus saying that, you know, God does bring justice to those who belong to him and who cry out to him and he doesn't put them off and he comes quickly to their rescue. And that once inspired me a lot. (laughs) And I mean, the passage even ends off by saying, however, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? And I remember just feeling like I, I pray that God finds me with faith. Um, But yeah, I just, I'd had to pray through that passage today because I do feel like God puts me off. Uh, I do feel like he's slow to come to my rescue. And so I prayed through that. I prayed about my unbelief. I journaled and then I moved on with my day. And so my times with God have been different than I planned, but they've been deep, even though they've been shorter than usual. And then I just leave it on alone because that's all um my times have been deep but shorter than usual and then I just leave it alone because that's all I can handle right now my faith just feels fragile but there is one passage that has pulled me through most of this year it's Isaiah 42 verse 3 Uh, I think there's just sometimes we're frustrated about the things we're going through and then we're frustrated that we're frustrated Oh, we're frustrated that we haven't figured out how to get out of this, the rut that we're in. And so Isaiah 42 verse 3 reads, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And the idea is that he will not make those who are already broken down uh, feel a deeper sense of defeat. He will not crush you or condemn you um, when you feel wounded. Or when you feel like your faith is small, he will not deepen those afflictions um, or multiply those sorrows. And so I just wanted to share that because I think maybe I'm not the only one who struggled to connect with God, or maybe I am. But yeah, I think it's it's important to share the the parts of our journeys that are not perfect and that are rough and are frustrating. And so, yeah, I just thought I'd share it. And so, yeah. So 
I read this for the past two years. I've been reading this columnist who responds to readers questions and concerns and frustrations. And it's not a Christian columnist, but I, I enjoy reading it because she's really honest with her audience um, and her readers about, you know, her opinions on what's going on in their lives. And so recently I read about a girl who's just frustrated at the gifts that her aunt buys her for Christmas. Her aunt goes to these thrift stores and buys random things and then sends that as a Christmas gift every single year. And she's frustrated because her aunt never asks her what she wants and she'd almost like she'd rather receive nothing than get this box of dusty old things. And I thought it was hilarious because I can relate. I enjoy receiving gifts. I don't necessarily need them to be expensive gifts, but definitely things that you've thought out. Um, and I would rather not get a gift than get a gift that just makes no sense. Um, and so I think part of her frustration was my aunt is choosing to see me in a certain way instead of asking me about what I need, asking me what I need or what I would want for Christmas. And so anyway, the columnist responds by saying it's actually not that big of a deal because um, clearly you're not going to talk to your aunt about it because you want to protect her feelings. But also, it's not the end of the world. I think uh, her response was you can receive the gifts and that can be your kindness towards your aunt because obviously she's very excited about giving you these things. Um, and so gift your aunt with that, just taking those gifts and appreciating them but then also you can re-gift them to someone and that can be your kindness towards somebody else and so that's how she concluded the the response to the letter but I I really could relate to that and uh, I was just praying this morning and that article came to mind because although I had this elaborate plan to connect with God over this holiday it hasn't worked out that way uh, not because I don't have time but I think there's just a lot of resentment and disappointment with God and it's difficult to connect with a God that you haven't, uh, that you don't feel connected to, but also a God that you're disappointed in. So, um, yeah, I've, I've made, you know, adjustments to my plan to connect with God. And part of those adjustments was just going back to old scriptures and things that once helped me through tough times and, uh, struggles with God and just meditating on those scriptures, journaling about them and praying through them. And yeah, I think sometimes it can be helpful to stick to the original plan of, you know, this is what I wanted to study out during the holiday. Um, because sometimes like sticking to the plan can help you through times like this, but I don't, I didn't feel like, you know, being a stoic and pushing through was necessarily the answer to what I'm struggling with, with God. I think the better plan was to go after intimacy rather than a sense of like dutifulness. So anyway, I switched up the plan and I simplified it in a lot of ways, but it's also just been really deep. And this morning I was praying and talking to God and the article came to mind because that's how I can feel with God a lot of the time. I can feel like there's things on the periphery and around me and small little things that are that are happening for me and, you know, the kindness of God in 
um, yeah, just helping me through certain situations and, um, yeah. And so I was, you know, praying this morning and that article came to mind and I could relate so much, but I think it came to mind because I was like, this is how I can feel in my relationship with God is that there are so many kind things that God does for me and has done for me this year uh, that I've that I appreciate and there's things that have happened that I choose to see as God's generosity and grace and mercy towards me and I always fight for that I fight to see how the things happening in and around my life are from God but sometimes it can feel like God is giving me gifts I'm not asking for and it's like, I appreciate this thing happening. I appreciate this thing working out. And a lot of the time, there are things that I haven't even prayed for. But sometimes I just want you to answer the prayers that I'm actually praying. Um, and not the things on the periphery. So, yeah. And I, I, I just keep reiterating that to God. It's just, I just, I understand that your timing is perfect and your ways are not my ways, and I will not understand how you're working things out, but it is frustrating to see the things happening around me, and then it can seem like the things I'm actually asking for, you're putting them off, and that's not true um, entirely, Um, and I think of Luke chapter 18, and the whole, the passage, the parable Uh, was taught by Jesus to his disciples and the goal was to teach them to always pray and never give up. And so it's about this woman who keeps going to this unjust judge and he, you know, he will not give her justice and he will not answer her. And eventually he does because he's frustrated. (laughs) And the end of the passage just talks about how God, you know, he does bring justice to those who cry out to him, to those that belong to him. And he does that quickly and he does not put them off. And I read that passage a couple of days ago and I was like, but I actually do feel like you put me off. I don't feel like you come quickly. Um, And I feel like you walk around the things I'm actually asking for. And so what I'm trying to do is, is really just be honest with God about my frustrations, but also to try and have a sober view of even my perception of what's happening in my relationship with God and my unanswered prayers and my frustrations. And so I just wanted to share that because that's how I'm feeling, but also because I think sometimes that is our frustration. We feel like God is doing a bunch of stuff around us and nothing is really happening with regard to the things that we're actually asking God for. And Although I think it's it's great to try and find meaning in in these moments, like, okay, why isn't God answering that prayer? I think sometimes it can be just an oversimplified way of dealing with disappointment. It's It can be dismissive of the pain and the frustration. So I just wanted to share that. You can pray for me. <laughs> um, but yeah. So 
I read this for the past two years. I've been reading this columnist who responds to readers' questions and concerns and frustrations. And it's not a Christian columnist, but I I enjoy reading it because she's really honest with her audience um, and her readers about you know her opinions on what's going on in their lives. And so recently, I read about a girl who's just frustrated at the gifts that her aunt buys her for Christmas. Her aunt goes to these thrift stores and buys random things and then sends that as a Christmas gift every single year. And she's frustrated because her aunt never asks her what she wants and she'd almost like she'd rather receive nothing than get this box of dusty old things. And I thought it was hilarious because I can relate. I enjoy receiving gifts. I don't necessarily need them to be expensive gifts but definitely things that you've thought out. Um, And I would rather not get a gift than get a gift that just makes no sense. Um, And so I think part of her frustration was my aunt is choosing to see me in a certain way instead of asking me about what I need, asking me what I need or what I would want for Christmas. And so anyway, the columnist responds by saying it's actually not that big of a deal Um, because clearly you're not going to talk to your aunt about it because you want to protect her feelings. But also, it's not the end of the world. I think uh, her response was, you can receive the gifts, and that can be your kindness towards your aunt, because obviously she's very excited about giving you these things. Um, And so gift your aunt with that, just taking those gifts and appreciating them. But then also... You can re-gift them to someone and that can be your kindness towards somebody else. And so that's how she concluded the the response to the letter. But I I really could relate to that. And uh, I was just praying this morning and that article came to mind because although I had this elaborate plan to connect with God over this holiday, it hasn't worked out that way. Uh, not because I don't have time. But I think there's just a lot of resentment and disappointment with God and it's difficult to connect with a God that you haven't, uh, that you don't feel connected to, but also a God that you're disappointed in. So, um, yeah, I've, I've made, you know, adjustments to my plan to connect with God. And part of those adjustments was just going back to old scriptures and things that once helped me through tough times and Uh, struggles with God and just meditating on those scriptures, journaling about them and praying through them. And yeah, I think sometimes it can be helpful to stick to the original plan of, you know, this is what I wanted to study out during the holiday. Um, Because sometimes like sticking to the plan can help you through times like this. But I don't, I didn't feel like, you know, being a stoic and pushing through was necessarily the answer to what I'm struggling with, with God. I think the better plan was to go after intimacy rather than a sense of like dutifulness. So anyway, I switched up the plan and I simplified it in a lot of ways, but it's also just been really deep. And this morning I was praying and talking to God and the article came to mind because that's how I can feel with God a lot of the time. I can feel like there's things on the periphery and around me and small little things that are that are happening for me and, you know, the kindness of God in 
um, yeah, just helping me through certain situations and, um, yeah. And so I was, you know, praying this morning and that article came to mind and I could relate so much, but I think it came to mind because I was like, this is how I can feel in my relationship with God is that there are so many kind things that God does for me and has done for me this year uh, that I've, that I appreciate. And there's things that have happened that I choose to see as God's generosity and grace and mercy towards me. And I always fight for that. I fight to see how the things happening in and around my life are from God. But sometimes it can feel like God is giving me gifts I'm not asking for. And it's like, I appreciate this thing happening. I appreciate this thing working out. And a lot of the time, there are things that I haven't even prayed for. But sometimes I just want you to answer the prayers that I'm actually praying. Um, and not the things on the periphery. So, yeah. And I, I, I just keep reiterating that to God. It's just, I just, I understand that your timing is perfect and your ways are not my ways, and I will not understand how you're working things out, but it is frustrating to see the things happening around me, and then it can seem like the things I'm actually asking for, you're putting them off. And that's not true um, entirely. Um, And I think of Luke chapter 18, and the whole, the passage, the parable Uh, was taught by Jesus to his disciples and the goal was to teach them to always pray and never give up and so it's about this woman who keeps going to this unjust judge and he you know he will not give her justice and he will not answer her and eventually he does because he's frustrated (laughs) and the end of the passage just talks about how God you know he does bring justice to those who cry out to him to those that belong to him And he does that quickly and he does not put them off. And I read that passage a couple of days ago and I was like, but I actually do feel like you put me off. I don't feel like you come quickly. Um, And I feel like you walk around the things I'm actually asking for. And so what I'm trying to do is, is really just be honest with God about my frustrations, but also to try and have a sober view of even my perception of what's happening in my relationship with God and my unanswered prayers and my frustrations. And so I just wanted to share that because that's how I'm feeling, but also because I think sometimes that is our frustration. We feel like God is doing a bunch of stuff around us and nothing is really happening with regard to the things that we're actually asking God for. And Although I think it's it's great to try and find meaning in in these moments. Like, okay, why isn't God answering that prayer? I think sometimes it can be just an oversimplified way of dealing with disappointment. It's It can be dismissive of the pain and the frustration. So I just wanted to share that. You can pray for me. Um, but yeah. Hello, my name is Valerie and welcome to the Good Soil podcast. 
Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, This is our first episode of 2021. And today we're talking about personal finances. A bit of a touchy subject for some of us. Because finances just seems to be a private matter. We don't talk to each other about um, our finances, our money, how our budgets are going. And so this year, I'm personally on on a quest to not only do better in my finances, but to adopt a godly mindset when it comes to money. Um, and I think we we would all probably define success very differently and we could probably divide that into different areas of our lives, what success would look like in our career and family, etc. But the first thing that comes to mind for me when I think of success is generosity, the ability to be open-handed and to have resources that are available to, to give to people in need. Um, but it's impossible for me to be able to be generous towards people if I don't exercise discipline in certain areas of my life, or at least be generous to the extent in which I hope to be. Um, and I, I do think I've been incredibly blessed to um, have the work I do have and to have even left my job in a tricky year like 2020 and be doing better than when I was at my job. I think that is a privilege. But then being able to look at those you know, those blessings and those gifts given to me by God and think about how can I be more generous instead of how can I, I don't know, spend more on myself. So that's what I'm thinking about. But in general, I think personal finance is an an area of growth for a lot of people who are starting out in their careers. We don't know what to do. And depending on how you are brought up with money, it could be, yeah, it could be something you either do really well at or terribly at. And I, I also don't even want to venture into the space of saying that, you know, spenders are the only people who have issues. I think some people can be greedy with their money, even if you are a saver. Um, And so anyway, I'm not an expert on finances. I'm not here to give anyone any (laughs) insights, but I do have a guest speaker on the podcast today and she's going to be helping me along and us along and just giving us different tips um, and just sharing her own experience with money and finances um, growing up and even now having a family. So Fungai, welcome to the podcast. Hello, my name is Valerie and welcome to the Good Soil podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first episode of 2021 and we're talking about personal finances. Uh, a bit of a touchy subject for some of us. Um, yeah, finances, money seem to be a private matter. We don't talk to each other about these things, how our budgets are going, um, at least not in my circles. I think I have one friend who I really speak to about my uh, money. Otherwise, I just can feel like it's nobody's business. But this year, I'm on a quest to not only do better in my finances, but to adopt a godly mindset when it comes to money. Um, and so, yeah, I've been thinking a lot lately about this idea of success. And I think we could all define that very differently or even if we think of different areas of our lives, career, relationships, etc., we would probably define success differently in those spaces. But for me, the first thing that pops to my mind when I think of success is the ability to be able to be generous towards people. And that, in, when I talk about generosity, I just mean having available resources for people in need, being open-handed about the, the things I have and the money I have. And I cannot be generous towards people if I'm not disciplined in other areas of my life. I am a spender. Um, I like to think like once I've taken care of my responsibilities, don't ask me what else I do with my money. Um, But I, you know, have been sitting and going through my budget 
lately i'm just looking at my spending habits and i'm like oh my gosh this money could go to better use um and i also have some goals uh i have for this year things i want to do things i uh, assets i want to acquire and i'm not going to be able to do that the way i'm going uh, at this rate so i thought it'd be great to speak about personal finances um because a lot of us are starting out uh, at least a lot of people that listen to this podcast and my friends, we're in our 20s and we've been working for a bit now and a lot of, you know, starting out at new jobs and things like that is figuring out, you know, how do I manage the money that I have? Um, but just not, I, th- I guess the idea is not just doing what's right in your own eyes, but figuring out how God sees money and uh, what our attitude towards money should be. So I am not going to be sharing any insights but I'm going to have uh, Fungai, who's our guest on today's podcast, share her experiences with money, how her upbringing influenced that, and then just giving us some tips on how to you know, better manage our money um, and be good stewards of what's been given to us. I know for myself personally, having left my job in a particularly difficult year like 2020, um, I've done a lot better since I left my job than when I was there. And so I'm grateful for that. And so I'm trying to think, man... How do I um, show gratitude to God um, for that? Uh, and how do I live out a life of, yeah, just generosity? And so I want to start out by looking at my budget and seeing how I can grow and how I can do better. So um, without further ado, Fungai, welcome to the podcast. Hello, my name is Valerie and this is the Good Soil Podcast. Happy New Year. I believe this is my first episode of the new year. And, um, yeah, I definitely would have liked to put out something in January or sooner, but life's been busy. Uh, God's been kind and that he's given me a lot of work to do. Um, the work requires a lot of my time and energy. And so, yeah, it just hasn't allowed me to do things like the podcast and, uh, record as much as I would have liked, but I have an episode for you today. Um, it's a teach the text. It's uh, from a friend of mine, Luthor. And as you would know, teach the text really is about giving women that I respect an opportunity to teach on a passage of scripture or share on a passage of scripture that they've studied out personally. Um, so I hope you enjoy the episode. I am recording another this week, so you will have one again, either at the end of February or beginning of March. Uh, that's just, yeah, life is very hectic at the moment but I do hope you appreciate the episodes when they do come out and please um, do give me your feedback Uh, let me know what it is you want to want to hear me discuss on the podcast Um, but I do have some great things lined up so enjoy the episode and I'll chat to you soon hello my name is Valerie and welcome to the good soil podcast Uh, I'm sorry I've been missing for a little bit I um, I've been busy God's been kind it's given me a lot of work to do, and so as a result, this podcast is actually coming out a lot later than it should have. Nonetheless, I have an episode for you today. Uh, it's by my friend Luto. It's a Teach the Text episode, and as you know, um, Teach the Text is all about having women that I respect teach on a passage of scripture that they have studied out that's personally convicted them uh, or inspired them towards God. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, I have a few more episodes coming up soon. Uh, But with work, it will probably be less frequent than I would like. But um, they will come out. I hope you enjoy the episode. 